Makar Guru, Season 11, Episode 130. Hey folks, Lenny Lawson here, the Car Guru. I got a big build this morning from the Ford Motor Company. See, Ford doesn't make tools, but they own a division that does manufacture tools and buys tools from other manufacturers and then rebrands them Rotunda. Have you ever heard of Rotunda? Yeah, there's one in the Capitol building. It's called the Rotunda. But that this is a tool company owned by the Ford Motor Company. My bill was for our Level 3 charger, electric charger. So it has two, basically two uh, outlets coming out each side of it where two cars can charge at the same time. It is a Level 3 charger, so it is the most powerful and will charge a car the, the quickest. Just the charger itself was $90,000. I don't know how much a gas pump costs. I doubt if it's $90,000, but it's probably thirty anyway. They're expensive. They have to be very accurate and very safe. But uh, yeah, I was kind of shocked about this. So it's going to be installed on our lot. It will be accessible to anybody that's driving through this area and needs a quick charge. Now, it won't be free. It'll be like a gas pump. You'll be able to enter your credit card information, or there will be an app that will be able to sync with this thing because it has Bluetooth. And so let's say that you buy Ford, and you're driving a Lightning or a Mach-E electric vehicle, and you need a charge, then you'll be able to use your little Ford app on your phone and just... uh, Touch a few little, make a few little entries, and boom, you'll be able to fill up your vehicle with electrons. So that's not not a bad deal. How long we have to sit there? Probably uh, twenty to thirty minutes, depending if you want a full charge or not. So this will be available. We'll also have four level two chargers. Now they're pretty slow. They will charge a vehicle fully in about uh, six to eight hours. So you'd have to sit there for a while to charge on them, but they'll also be available to people that are driving through and have a little time to kill. So those are going to be a part of the lot at Gateway and and most other Ford dealers. uh, Approximately 65 to 70% of Ford dealers will have Level 3 chargers accessible to the public on their lot by January 1. So if you're thinking about buying an electric vehicle, and many of you aren't, why? Well, for a lot of people, there's there's primarily two reasons that people won't buy an electric vehicle. Uh, One is political. Quite frankly, it's kind of like the COVID vaccine. A lot of people just thought that it was government cramming something down our throat that we didn't need. I got the vaccine, and I just leased a a brand-new electric vehicle, the Aria, the Nissan Aria. Why did I do that? Well, Nissan offered us an incredible deal for a one-year lease. And I think if you're getting an electric vehicle, you uh, ought to lease it rather than buy it because we really don't know at this point what the resale value is going to be. But some of the lease deals are pretty good, and it was fantastic on this Aria. Plus, I like the short term. Now, is that available to you? Unfortunately not. It was only for dealers and their employees so that we can get used to owning and charging and all the different aspects of of an electric vehicle. You know, if you know something really good, and if you believe in it, then you can sell it. I've had a lot of people look at me and over the years and say, well, I wouldn't have one of those things. And then they drive it. And then you just talk to them about the advantages of owning this particular vehicle. And then they change their mind. Sometimes people just need more information. I wouldn't call it 
convincing them of something because, you know, I'm not the kind of guy that likes to sell you something. I want to help you buy it. I want to give you enough information where you can make an informed decision because I know that down the road you'll be happier with your decision and with me if uh, if it's not crammed down your throat. Uh, another reason that people uh, don't buy don't want to buy electric vehicles is they're concerned about the charging. Now, in the first quarter or second quarter of next year, most of the concerns about accessibility of charging are going to be taken care of for the average person. Why? Because Elon Musk and Tesla have agreed to allow uh, Ford, General Motors, Honda, Nissan, there's several others that have signed up for this program, to use their supercharger network. Not only are Tesla superchargers reliable, but there's one within 50 miles of just about anybody. So that's going to make travel a whole lot better. So these people that don't buy EVs, you know, they worry about uh, the politics of it. They don't feel comfortable because they don't like being told what to buy. Uh, They also worry about the charging infrastructure. The other thing is just the overall cost. Well, that's getting a whole lot better. Effective January 1, you know, there's a $7,500 tax credit that you can get, depending on how much, what percent of the vehicle is actually manufactured in the United States. So you can get up to $7,500 tax credit. Well, you know, you had to pay taxes, um, or you had to file a tax return and take the $7,500 credit off of your tax return, and so that's how you got your money. Not January 1. January 1, it comes just like a rebate when you buy the vehicle from a dealer. So I was talking to the salespeople today, and I said, guys, do you realize that that you can basically get approximately $17,500 off right now on an electric vehicle? That's a lot of rebate. That's a lot of discount. These things are getting a little bit more attractive if you're willing to adjust your lifestyle. So let's look at some of the different prospects. Who would be a prospect for an electric vehicle? Well, you know, I thought a lot about this. Local business. If you do a lot of local business, if you're in the delivery business, if you are in the service industry, and let's say that you are a, an appliance repair shop or you're, you sell alarm systems or you're an uh, exterminator, Electric vehicles make a lot of sense because more than likely, as long as you drive less than 300 miles in a day, then you're pretty much covered. And you have zero fuel cost. Does that mean you have zero cost as far as keeping it running? No. But it will be about 75 to 80% less. So there's definitely advantage there. Now, as far as Ford is concerned, especially with a lightning truck, if uh, we have a power outage, you can actually hook your Lightning F-150 into your home, and you can power your house. Now, probably over the last 20 years, we've lost power quite a few times, Uh, several times for multiple days in a row. That's kind of scary, but you don't have to worry about that if you have a generator or you own a Lightning pickup. So there's some people that might be uh, motivated to buy an F-150 Lightning because of that. Uh, Also, people who are just... You know, they don't like the idea of polluting the environment with gasoline, with fossil fuels. Now, I'm not a tree hugger, but I do get this. But I also am a realist when it comes to how power is generated. 
Now, a lot of the power that we get in the Tennessee Valley Authority, TVA, uh, is generated by hydroelectric power, which is, you know, water running over a dam. But a lot of it, com- uh, the vast majority of it comes from burning natural gas and coal. Some from wind, but it's very minor. So, you know, it's not as if uh, we aren't spewing hydrocarbons into the atmosphere when we're charging our electric vehicle. We are. It's just kind of indirect. But it's not like putting gasoline in your car because that's coming at your tailpipe and that's not happening on an electric vehicle. So I took the uh, Aria, which is the electric vehicle that I just leased. It's a little SUV, probably the size of a Ford Escape or a Honda CRV, something like that. It's comparable to that. So I took it home and uh, my wife said, What's that? And I said, Well, that's a vehicle that I leased from our dealership because of the special program that Nissan is offering. Oh, okay. So earlier that same day, we had taken my grandson to the big cars and coffee event down in Knoxville that Harper's puts on. Harper's, Porsche, Audi, Acura, Volkswagen. They have probably 10 different franchises and eight different locations, I believe. But anyway, it's one of the largest cars and coffee events in the entire United States. Estimated somewhere between five and 6,000 cars. I had to show up pretty early, but I took our grandson with us, our grandson, Bo. But we were getting ready to take him home. And and I said, well, let's take the Aria. Can I drive? Sure, you can drive. So she got behind the wheel. Of course, you just pushed a button, and you don't get an engine noise. It's just totally quiet. She said, this is weird. I said, it is. You know, it's something to get used to. So we pull out, and instantly uh, she starts appreciating the smoothness and the quietness of it. And the power. I mean, it's pretty impressive. How often do you have to charge this? Well, with you, honey, you probably have to charge it. I don't know. We'd have to charge it once a week. I mean, you don't drive 300 miles a week. No, I don't even drive close to that. So, you know, from a cost standpoint, it wouldn't be that much. Uh, From a convenience standpoint, you just pull it in a garage and plug it in. Well, that's cool. It really is cool. But the problem is when you travel. But it's going to be less of a problem. Now, so I started explaining all of that to her, and she said, well, I'd be interested in driving one of these. And I said, well, you're, here's your opportunity. You get to try one out for a year. So we're excited about just kind of experimenting with it and see how it goes. And I'll keep you updated. Um, I think that the, I mean, it is full of technology. It's got some really unique features. The acceleration is great. Uh, the sound system, all the computer controls, the dash is extremely modern. It, it's probably it's a screen that's about six or seven inches tall and about 24 inches wide. I mean, it's just a solid screen from the driver's door over to almost over about the center of the passenger's dash. And I really don't have to install any kind of uh, technology in the house. I mean, I'm going to be driving my gasoline-powered vehicles most of the time, but uh, if I put a 240 plug in there, it'll charge in eight hours, but I'll just plug it into the 110 and just freshen it up every now and then. Now, that wouldn't work if that was your only car uh, because you, you probably need a full charge once a week, maybe. I mean, some people will bring them home and just plug them right in, but I just don't think that's practical. I don't think you need to do that if you drive you know, 150 to 250 miles a week, just charge it on Sunday, <laughs> you know, charge it over the weekends. Or overnight, if you put in one of the 240 plugs. So it'll be pretty uh, interesting to see how this plays out. Okay, I'm going to take my first break. I'll be back in just a minute. 
Okay, I am back. At Gateway, my dealership in Greenville, we sell two electric Nissans, the Leaf and the Aria. The Leaf has been around a long time. If anybody has experience at manufacturing full electric vehicles, it's Nissan because the Leaf has been out for a lot of years. You know, the problem with the Leaf was when it first came out, it had 100 miles of range. That's not much. And it was very limited as far as uh, the number of people that could actually buy that and use it on a regular basis. Now, they sold everyone they manufactured. They just didn't manufacture that many. But they got good at it, and, and they have a proven technology, whereas a lot of makers don't. They're still experimenting. Uh, that's why I felt a lot, or feel uh, very comfortable with the Nissan Aria because it's using some of that same technology and expertise that uh, they had with the Leaf. So we sell the Leaf and the Aria. In Ford, we sell the Mach-E, the Lightning full-size pickup truck, which is basically, basically an F-150 with electric motors on it, and the uh, E-Transit, which is a full-size van, just a cargo van, that has electric motors. So it doesn't have a lot of range. It has about, oh, close to 200 miles of range, but it's such a big thing, and... Ha Cuts does not cut through the air very good because it's a big, gigantic box. It's for delivery and works perfect for a local company that makes deliveries and doesn't want to have to have any fuel costs. So uh, we have several of those in stock as well. So it's interesting to see and to think about the companies that would uh, be prospects for these. So I challenged my salespeople this morning in the sales meeting. I said, if you will set up what we used to call an executive demo, which is basically we would call a business, maybe a realtor, for example, that has a bunch of agents, and we would talk to the main person in charge and say, we would like to bring one of our vehicles out there and leave it with you and have you get as many people as possible to drive it. Let them take it to lunch. Let them go run errands in it. We just want some feedback on our vehicles and see what people think about them. They said, most of the time, they'll say, well, sure, we'll do that. No problem. So I offered a, a deal to my salespeople. I said, the first person to get an executive demo set on a Mach-E or a Lightning, doesn't matter which vehicle, I'll pay $50 to. It didn't take 10 minutes. I came back to my office, and here comes Danielle, and she said, got one in Kingsport. Well, Kingsport's about 45 miles from Greenville. And it's a company there. I'm not going to disclose who it was. But she said, I'm supposed to take it up there and have it there before lunch. And I said, good for you. Here's 50 bucks. You know, I just wanted to prove to them how easy it is. Most people will do that. And that's what it's going to take. You know, you have to test drive the vehicle to see how good they are because they are amazing. And then you just have to decide, does my lifestyle match the use of an EV and the requirements of an EV. Basically, the whole charging thing. I mean, that's the big issue uh, because the cost, like I say, the cost have come down dramatically because of the incentives and the price reductions. I mean, they cut the price on Lightnings. That was the F-150 Lightning about, I don't know, six months ago, they dropped it $10,000. And they said that was because of the uh, economies of scale. They've been able to actually build them cheaper now than, than they were initially. Do I believe that? No. I think it's because they saw the handwriting on the wall. They were just too expensive, and people weren't going to buy them. They had to get the price in line, so that's what they're doing. Tesla has had several price decreases. So what percent of the market is EV now? Well, it's, right now it's about 
6%. The lowest in the country, uh, as far as the states are concerned, is about 2% market penetration. The highest is in California at 22%. You wonder where all the Teslas are going? They're going to California. And that's where you get into the political side of things. You know, I was talking to the salespeople, and I said, you know, if somebody doesn't want to buy one because Joe Biden wants them to buy one, well, okay, I can get it. But sometimes the political gets in the way of the practical. You know, the practical thing is it could save them a lot of money, especially if they drive a lot and burn a lot of gas because electricity, as of right now, electricity is a whole lot cheaper than gasoline. Now, the big question is, will it be cheaper in the future? You know, as gasoline sales go down, uh, gasoline taxes go down. So the government has to, especially the state governments, have to make that up somehow. You know, they're going to have to charge more for electricity, or they're going to have to raise the gas taxes, or tax something else, or tax you for the amount of miles that you drive. I mean, there is the ability to do that, especially when there is uh, internet connectivity in your vehicle. They can tell a whole lot of things. Big Brother can watch you in ways that he never could before. I'm not an alarmist, not trying to be an alarmist here, but there's no such thing as a free lunch, correct? So as the gasoline use goes down dramatically because of uh, the sale of electric vehicles, then they've got to make it up somewhere else. That's a fact, Jack. Okay, I'll take my last break, and I'll be back here in just one minute. Okay, I am back. I don't know if you guys have been paying any attention at all to the news in general or the UAW strike. But all that's about over. After about six weeks of wrangling over wages and benefits and a few other things, probably sign-on bonuses. I know Ford said that they have to pay every UAW worker a $5,000 new contract bonus. So, you know, a whole bunch of stuff was negotiated. Who has to deal with these unions anyway? Well, it's the big three, General Motors, Ford, and Stellantis. Um, The non-union shops are everybody else like Mercedes-Benz, BMW, Nissan, Honda, Toyota, Hyundai. All of them, none of them are unionized. Do you think that gives them a little bit of an advantage when it comes to pricing, the cost of labor? It sure does. Do you know who the first foreign company to build a domestic automobile plant was? A lot of people think it was Honda. In Marysville, Ohio, where they came in and started building. Well, I think first they started building Goldwing motorcycles, and then they expanded and started building Honda Accords up in Ohio, just outside of Columbus, I believe. Nope, it was not them. It was the Germans. So what German car company decided to build vehicles in the United States and where? It was a Volkswagen, and they decided to build a little car that they were selling called the Rabbit, you remember those? In Westmoreland County, Pennsylvania, just outside of Pittsburgh. Well, it didn't last. Uh, they did that for a while, but they figured out really quickly that the Americans cannot build the quality of a small car affordably. 
that the Germans could. Do you think that's really true? Probably wasn't. They just tried to treat Americans exactly like they treated the Germans in, in their plants. They assumed that the Americans cared. And unfortunately, they didn't care as much as the Germans did. They didn't have the same kind of work ethic. I'm not saying that about everybody. That was just the situation back in uh, 1978. So things have changed. The Japanese were the most successful. Marysville, Ohio really turned things around for them. The Japanese, that is. Because then uh, Nissan decided to, well, if, if Honda can do it, then we can do it too. And they located a plant in another non-union area called Smyrna, Tennessee. Uh, let's see some of the other plants. Well, Hyundai and Kia, they build in the United States now. Uh, Mitsubishi tried it. They did a joint venture out in Normal, Illinois. And that was uh, successful for a while until Mitsubishi fell on hard times and decided to bring all of their production back to the homeland of Japan. Mazda tried a joint venture with Ford. It was at a plant up in Michigan, Flat Rock, Michigan. So lots of times you see these automakers join together with another automaker to get their overall costs down. This happened out in California with Toyota and General Motors. They were building Toyota Corollas and the Chevrolet Nova, which became the Geo Nova, which again became the Chevrolet Nova when Geo failed. And then it became a Tesla plant. You know, isn't it funny how just all this goes around? It's just like, um, what was that, uh, Knott's Landing, you know, where everybody's just getting married and getting divorced and getting married again and then getting divorced again. That's the car business. That's the kind of the way it's been going for the last 30 years or so. Well, thanks for listening to this edition of My Car Guru. I'll think of something else to talk about tomorrow. Call me, 423-552-2020, if you need something and it has to do with cars, I'm the guy to call. We'll see you next time.